with college basketball season underway, find out who stood out, who shined, and who looked good in the opinion of Sam Ferris, a.k.a. Mr. Draft Dummy. Stay tuned. Big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of today. And today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs. It helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to, and it helps you talk to them or get in touch with them faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. What is up? I'm Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the host of the Locked On NBA Big World Podcast. I'm also the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. And my co-host for today is Sam Ferris, a.k.a. Mr. Draft Dummies, but he's no dummy. Sam, opening night was a couple days ago. There are over 200 games. <laughs> it's impossible to watch all of them. <laughs> and I know um, you mentioned off air that you had a chance to watch about four or five games. And I want to get your opinion on who stood out, like which guy. It doesn't have to be the the best draft pick or, or highest rated player, but which guy to you had the most impressive start to their season? So we were talking about this before we got on air, and I didn't tell you who I wanted to talk about, but you kind of read my mind. So I thought that was that was pretty cool. A few guys you mentioned that I wanted to hit on. And we can start, if you want, with Ricky Council of Arkansas. I saw you post a clip or two of him today, and he's one of my favorite players in this class. He's coming into this year, one of the guys I was highest on compared to consensus or where you might see in the mainstream. I had him ranked as one of my top five returning prospects, and a lot of people didn't even know like who Who he he was was. (laughs) coming into the year. Uh, a guy that I liked at Wichita State a lot. Um, I went so far as to say, because a lot of people like a lot of the freshmen for Arkansas, I went so far as to say that I thought he had a very good chance to be Arkansas's second best player behind Nick Smith this year. And Nick Smith didn't play due to an injury that he picked up uh, before the game. But And so Ricky Council, to me, looked like Arkansas's best player in the game. But it wasn't just that, like the flashes that he put out in one game, like that highlight reel was pretty ridiculous. (laughs) The finishes that he had around the rim, contorting his body double clutch. You posted a sick uh, reverse dunk in traffic. I mean, that was spectacular even for what I was expecting. So a very good start to the year for him. That dunk was so impressive to me. And if you are listening to the the podcast, even if you're on YouTube, if you go to my 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 Twitter, Barlow500, which I guess you can see on the graphic on, on YouTube, I posted it. And it, it was like, it's something that you, I mean, you can go a whole basketball season without seeing somebody dunk backwards in a half-court set and without a load-up. It was, it was like, so <laughs> I can't even describe it. He was driving to his left. He got a step on the man. And instead of having the left-hand finish on the left side of the rim, he just dunked it backwards. And what's crazy is, so I went back and rewatched his film from Wichita State, and he did it last year too. So I'm like, all right, I need to watch 
more film and see if the, if that's like his his go to when he's going left instead of <laughs> finishing with his left hand. <laughs> and and the one clip that I saw, he actually missed it, but he tried it. And yeah, I mean, like I said, you can go a whole season without seeing somebody get dunked on backwards one on one in a half court. And usually yeah. when you have like these highlight dunks. Some somebody had a launching pad and and the center was right under the rim. You rarely see a guy going stride for stride with his hand and he gets dunked on backwards. But yeah, yeah man, I like his game. I, but I, I've always kind of been a little biased towards crafty shot makers and guys that just can go out and get a bucket. Guys that have like an advanced handle and a real dancey with the ball. I mean, I'm a James Harden fan. I'm a Luka fan. Of course, sometimes they they get a little too isolation heavy, but I like those guys. I mean, they're they're fun to watch, and sometimes it's kind of hard to um, it's kind of hard to see how that translates to the NBA. So, my next question for you is: Where do you have him as a as a draft prospect? Yeah, so I had him as a first rounder coming in. Like I said, I had him as a top five returning prospect, and obviously there will be more than five returning players to college basketball picked in the first round. So I, I view him as that because he's a really, really good athlete in terms of speed, quickness, jumping ability, six foot five or six, six, depending on where you look. And some of the statistical work that I kind of do, I really, that my analytical stuff liked him, uh, a low turnover guy in his role at Wichita state and had a really good BPM there as well. So a couple of things that popped for me looking at him analytically. So I've followed him for a while, but like you said, for a guy that's that athletic and he's 6'5", 6'6", so he's legit two size, maybe even can guard some wings in the NBA. His handle is really good actually, uh, can handle it with both hands, has advanced moves, crossovers. And then the finishing, like we said, is is kind of the best attribute for him. Like a lot of guys, though, it's going to come down to the jumper where it's been a mixed bag. He's made shots throughout his career in college, but the set shot or like the catch and shoot from three is not smooth for him. Like if you watch him and it's a hitch, he'll get like side spin on it sometimes. And like, it's not a clean release. So if you were to guarantee me that he ends up shooting, then he's clearly a top 20 guy for me. But there's certainly some work to be done on the jumper. I just like so much of the rest of his game. Yeah, I, I like him too. I really like him. I like the size. I mean, he has the the broad shoulders. Um, he's a good athlete. He's a creative scorer. Mm-hmm. My concerns are one, the hitch in the shot. Yeah. And he only shot like 30% on catch and shoot jumpers last year. But the biggest concern for me is he is a a guy that's a scorer, like that's who he is. And when I look at guys that are, that I project to be scorers, I feel like in today's NBA, unless you're like a Cam Thomas, which is like a rare situation. I mean, even then you see that he's, and he's a guy that can be out the rotation because it's kind of like a, a, a preference or whatever. But I, I think like, at least for me, if you're going to be like a, a big time scorer in the NBA or even just a, a guy that relies on scoring, I think you have to be a, a creator as far as creating for others. And the two things that I want to see out of him this season is one improved the catch and shoot numbers and 
improve his assist to turnover ratio. Even though he wasn't like a high turnover guy, it was a negative assist to turnover ratio. And I think that if he's like a guy that can make you pay for and he's he's not a bad passer. I think he's a good ball mover, but if he can become a, a more of a creator, which I don't even know if he really have the opportunity this year, then I think that, I mean, that will go a long way in helping his draft status. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a step above the pure scorer types, like a Cam Thomas or whatever as a passer. And then defensively, I actually, I like him. He's put up steals and blocks in college, uh, like career 2% block and steal rate, which are good. And just, he has vertical pop and can really move and he's strong at six foot six. So the tools are there. It's just, and I think this year at Arkansas, he's certainly gonna like play defense for this team. And what happens with Arkansas is they tend to go end up down the stretch playing six or seven guys. And he played like almost the whole game the other day. So I think he's going to be a guy that's playing a ton of minutes for a high profile team. People are going to get to see him and realize how talented he is. Just going to come down to the jumper as well as the other things you mentioned. Is there such thing as having too much talent? Because if Arkansas just had their three highly touted freshmen, and some role players around them, they'd be one of the best teams. But you throw in Council and, and Trayvon Brazil, yeah. that's a lot of talent and a lot of mouths to feed. What are your thoughts on their overall talent? Well, we talked about Anthony Black last time, and so he makes it a little easier in that he's not a guy that really looks to score himself. So I think he's fine taking that back seat, facilitating He's just not a guy that I see really shooting or scoring that often. And that's not really his personality on the court either. So I think he'll help there. He's kind of more of that connector, that Lonzo Ball, Dyson Daniels type, like we talked about, I think, last week. And then Jordan Walsh, to me, is kind of more of a spot-up scorer. He can score off one or two dribbles. He's an athlete around the rim, but not a guy that's going to be dribbling the air out of the ball and like creating his own. And the other thing with him is watching him before college as well. He fouls a ton. He cannot stop fouling. I think he was in foul trouble. So we'll see how much he plays. He's not a guy that I view as like a guaranteed one and done. Like I think some people do. And again, I just don't know how much opportunity, like you said, he's going to get to show his own game. He's kind of like the third, fourth, fifth option for this team. And so I think a lot of people penciled him him in to be a one and done, and I don't think that's a guaranteed thing. Yeah, and we'll talk about it in the next segment. I want to get your thoughts on on the one and dones, and uh, but yeah, we'll save that for the next segment because I want to talk to everyone about LinkedIn Jobs. That's because these days, every new hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be one hundred percent certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. All you have to do is add your job with the hashtag hiring to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you like to interview and more importantly, who you'd like to hire. And that's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs, it helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to, and it helps you find them faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. 
That is linkedin.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free and terms and conditions apply. Thank you. Thank you for making the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. Now for your second listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only, only Locked On can provide. That is Locked On Sports Today. It is available on this app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am Rafael Barlow with my co-host Sam Ferris. And when we left off, we talked about Jordan Walsh. And you, mm-hmm. and you said that, or you hinted that you think he could be a two-year guy. And I think we talked about this on previous podcasts, especially with NIL and coming back. I think it's more beneficial for guys to come back if they're not a lot to be a first rounder. And if you look at some of the guys from last or from this year's draft, the 2022 draft guys that left, I'm thinking, you know what? They have to be regretting it. They have to. The first guy that comes to mind is JD Davidson. Would you rather be playing in the sec at Alabama? Probably a decent NIL deal. And I don't know what they're getting at Alabama, but I have heard some of these deals. Some of these guys are getting at these power five schools. Or do you want to be playing for the main Red Claws in front of, you know, 800 people <laughs> a night? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it, I wonder, is this the year that we're going to see guys are like, okay, I don't know if I'm going in the top 30. Are we going to see more Traquavion Smiths, even though he was going to go first round, in my opinion? What are your thoughts on that? No, I, I agree. And what I think is kind of interesting, because I would add, you mentioned Davison and Kendall Brown, I would throw in there. Oh, even yeah. Bryce McGowan's would be another one that I, he only I got like a two way. He only got a two yeah. way. He didn't even get a standard contract. Yeah. And I, I like all those guys. I think they would have all probably gone in the first round had they come back. But you hear a lot of, you hear the phrase where a lot of guys say, I want to bet on myself and go to the next level. Well, if you're going to bet on yourself in my view bet on yourself by coming back to college and proving that you're a first round pick it's just the easier path because if you are good enough then you'll show it your second year in college you'll make more money by becoming a top 20 pick in the nba but guys that get picked in the second round i like to say that it gets late early if you (laughs) if you don't prove anything in i don't know your first 18 months they're just not that invested in a guy that they're picking 45th in the NBA draft. And so it's tough. You might go to a team where you don't even get any opportunity. And so that's kind of what I like to say. If you really want to prove yourself, do the the um, Johnny Davis, do the Keegan Murray, do the Turquavion Smith, come back and prove it in college. It makes your path easier. You'll get paid for the NIL deal in college. So I don't think the money there will differ too much, but then when you get picked in the first round in the top 20, have that guaranteed contract, then you're locked into NBA money longer term. So that's, I agree. That's what I would advise more kids to do. Like if you want to bet on yourself, come back and prove it. Yeah. I had tweeted like right after, after all the games on, on Monday and I'm looking at the box scores. I'm like, okay, this transfer portal is going to go crazy in the next few weeks. Cause there are so many guys that I saw on draft boards that play three minutes, six minutes, eight minutes, or or they're not starting. And there's so much pressure on guys to be, to get in and out. I don't even know if 
some of the players are really even enjoying college basketball because they put so much pressure on themselves or people around them have put pressure to where you feel like if you don't leave after your freshman year, it wasn't a success. Or if you're not getting certain minutes as a top 50 prospect, then that means you need to go transfer schools. And But I want to transition that to the guy that I think is going to be the youngest prospect in the 2023 draft. And it's somebody that I'm really, really high on. Gigi yeah. Jackson, what did you think of his uh, his debut? Yeah, I was. he was probably the guy I was most excited to see, just to see how he looked in game one. The kind of sucky thing about the beginning of the schedule early on is there haven't been any high-profile matchups, so it's kind of more just checking out individual players. And what excited me the most about him is they played him on the perimeter. They let him handle the ball some. He didn't play as just kind of a plodding five in the middle. And so that was good to see. Um, I thought he made good decisions. I thought he moved the ball. He had just a little more kind of perimeter game and like wiggle than I guess I expected or I I thought he would kind of play just in the post as like a post big in college that's what I was kind of worried about so I'm excited to see him develop that perimeter skill this year I thought it looked good in, in game one albeit against SC State not a great opponent I liked also at the end of the game they went zone defense against South Carolina and I thought Gigi Jackson made good passing reads not difficult reads, but he moved the ball quickly and made the right decision. And so that was good to see as well. So all in all, of course, he put up good numbers, a double-double, I think. Just looked good all around. So a very promising debut for him. Yeah, I'm really high on him. And uh, I'm not surprised by how they're using him. I figure, you know, a high-profile recruit going to South Carolina, part of the reason he went there is because he he felt like they were going to give him the keys. I spoke to a NBA scout last week, maybe it was the week before, and he he had mentioned that when he first saw Gigi Jackson play or watched his film, he was a rim roller, a shot blocker, was just like a high upside raw athlete that he thought was going to be in a 2024 draft. And then he said he ended up watching film three months later. He's like, he's shooting threes, he's picking and popping, he's handling the ball, and he's like... Either he already had that in him or he developed that and got really good in a really short amount of time. So he was high on him. The only concern that I've heard from NBA scouts about Gigi is he's just so young and they're like, you know, he's only going to be 18 on draft day. And it's almost like he skipped, even though he did go to college, but he skipped a year of high school. And so they just wonder like, man, an 18 year old, he goes to a team where, you know, he, you know, it, it just could be difficult for him. But, you know, one year, it's weird to hear people say that one year makes that big of a difference. But obviously, the NBA thought so. That's why they got rid of uh, letting guys come out of high school. Unless you're shading sharp, unless you can find like a loophole <laughs> yeah. in the system. All right. Bet Online is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and the trends for every professional and amateur league out there. They even got the amateurs from football to basketball to soccer, even esports. Everything is at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those too at betonline as well. We are the fastest and the easiest way to get your betting fixed. Head to the website today 
and use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online, it is where the game starts. All right, last segment. I had a couple guys that I wanted to squeeze in the segment to ask Sam about. And the next guy that I want to talk to you about and get your thoughts on, Coleman Hawkins. Where did you have him on your on your big board? And were you surprised by his performance? Or do you think it is going to be a, a like basically a preview of how you expect the season to go? Yeah, another guy that I was excited to talk about that I liked this offseason because well, a few reasons. Number one, the situation's going to be a lot better for him this year. I mean, at least for me, in terms of uh, the enjoyment watching, Kofi Coburn was a really good college player, but I, I don't really love watching those teams that revolve around just a center that plays in the paint. So I think they're going to be more fun to watch this year, kind of more NBA-like with Hawkins, with Shannon and Meyer on the wing. And Hawkins, to me, is kind of like the prototypical modern NBA four because he's he's like six foot ten. He can dribble it pretty well. He can pass. But the jumper, too, is what is intriguing about him. And he got up a bunch of threes and made them in this game. What really stands out is his jumper. The release is really quick, too. So I think he's going to be able to get up a lot of volume. He's a guy that defenses will have to respect, especially as that continues to progress and improve. So again, just at 6'10", he is the modern four with the handling, the passing, and the shooting. Just a heady player too. And I think Illinois is going to be good this year. The situation is going to be more beneficial for him. They'll be more fun to watch. And I think they're going to be like a top 15 team in college basketball this year. Yeah, he had a great debut. I think he only shot like 29% from three last year. If you just look at the numbers, yeah. but when you watch the film, it does not show you a 29% shooter, if that makes sense. <laughs> or you can look at it and say, well, I looked at the film and he was missing 70% of his threes, but you, you can look at it and say like, all right, the stroke looks projectable. And um, I think that he's going to be a better shooter. What, what do you think, he'll need to do to put himself in the conversation as like a late first rounder. Do you think yeah. it's a percentage on the three ball? Yeah, I think it is. And what's funny about small sample shooting sizes is if you just add this first game he had of this season onto his numbers from last year, he already goes all the way up from 29 to 33%. And that like looks a lot better on paper, just one game. So th that, that, it'll fluctuate a lot, but I think he's going to shoot it better this year with the spacing that they have. And he just feels more empowered to shoot. He's more integral player this year. And he's just a little bit older. So I love the size and the passing and the shooting at that, at, at that spot. I had him as a second round guy, but a guy that I had kind of a star next to as I like his fit in the modern NBA. If he plays like I think he can, he can sneak into the end of the first round this year. And based on what he showed in game one, I think he can do that. I think it is, people do read into the shooting numbers. So I think he's going to have to shoot probably in the high 30s from three to get kind of that recognition. And I think it'll help if Illinois is a good team and he's just a top three or four guy for them this year, which I do think is going to happen. Makes sense. All right. Earlier in the show, you talked about um, your top returning players. So, mm -hmm. One of my top returning players. I would say he's probably my 
third best. Maybe I, I go back and forth between my second. I had third best returning player after Quavion number one. Me and too. I go back and forth between um, Arthur Kaluma and Marcus Sasser. What did you think of Marcus Sasser in his in his first game? Looked really good right where he left off. Uh, Houston's my national championship pick this year, and they missed his shooting. They missed him last year when he missed a ton of time. Just a classic college guard, four-year guy, 6'1", especially classic Houston guard. Uh, tons of steals. He's a little undersized at 6'1", 6'2", but elite handle. Can create his own shot, but also small sample last year, but he shot 52% on, on spot-ups as well and shoots a really nice floater, has good touch. Like To me, he's probably the best guard, I would say, in college basketball, just in terms of college basketball guard. I also, like you said, I also have Terquavion as my number one returner, and he certainly looked the part. But if I'm picking a guy to lead my college basketball team, it might be Sasser, and, and he's kind of proven why. So he's the missing ingredient coming back. I think Houston, to me, is my national championship pick. Um, what do you think he has to show then? You're high on him. So do you view him as a potential starting point guard or is he just a really high-end backup combo guard in your opinion? I think he's a a microwave scorer. I, I think my best fit for him would be like this Ben Gordon role where he comes off the bench and he just does what he does, right? He, he leads your second unit. Man, I would like to see him on a team like Denver. You know, you play with Denver and, and you got Jokic. And, I mean, they already have Bones Highland, so it may not be like the best fit, best, best fit or, or best direct path to playing time. But a situation where he doesn't have to be the primary ball handler, which I don't think nobody would make him their primary anyway. But you just have like, you know, a an oversized playmaker, whether it's Jokic, whether it's Giannis, maybe even like Harden maybe even like Luca to where he doesn't have to be the ball handler. He can be your secondary, but his main thing is to compliment those guys, knock down open shots. And then he could be a guy that, you know, at the end of the shot clock when they're doubling and the star has to give the ball to somebody else to, to make a play, he would be that, that guy. So that's, that's what I would see him as. Yeah. And also, what I like about him is he can defend more like most of those microwave guys you think of are kind of sieves defensively like Jordan Poole, for example, and Bones Highland have both kind of been that kind of player, but he he's kind of six two, but I think he has a longer wingspan like six seven put up a lot of steals in college a tough guy of course if you're playing for Houston you got to play physical and tough so he can guard up a little bit so I think that kind of gives him an edge there if you're comparing him to guys like that I think he's better defensively than your average microwave score in the NBA and he's stronger than those guys that you mentioned yeah yeah <laughs> and so sure. i think that would help him on the defensive end i mean hey i mean strong lower body just i mean he's he's older so i mean the maturity helps as far as like him being experienced and having four years of weightlifting on a college program and then the toughness so i like him i i would even take him in in the first round yeah now, if you like him, you think he can come in and play. Like we said, he's better defensively. He's ready to contribute right away. Uh, I personally, the way I look at it is if I'm taking a shot on a guy in the top 10 or the lottery, I like the younger prospects. Like I was out on Davion Mitchell, those type of guys as a top 10 pick. 
But if we're talking later in the first or in the second round, I like to find the guys that can contribute right away that because you need those guys that you're picking late in the first round. Those are usually playoff teams that need contributors like they, they don't have time for development projects. And so I, I like him as, you know, early second, late first round pick like the defense combined with the shooting and the scoring upside. Yeah, a team like the Lakers could use him right now, today. <laughs> Lakers could use a lot of players, right? <laughs> they could use a lot of players. But, you know, this class isn't deep on shooters. <laughs> so, no. they, so yeah, I think they specifically need – I shouldn't say I think. I know they specifically need some, some shooting, and he could definitely come in and help. But, man, as always, it was a pleasure sharing the show with you and getting your, your thoughts and insights. And thank you, the listener, for making this podcast your first listen of the day. Now, for your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. I am Raphael Barlow, and Sam, Mr. Draft Dummies himself, dropped some knowledge on you guys today. And we, we're out.